Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast in collaboration with the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about the Conservative Yeshiva, please visit conservativeyeshiva.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to the Daily Daf Differently. I'm William Friedman, and today we're studying Ketubot 35. One of our present Daf's major topics is the legal relevance of differences of intention and action in the commission of crimes punished by the death penalty and by lashes. Towards the end of yesterday's Daf, near the bottom of 34b, the Gemara reported a dispute between Rabbi Yochanan and Reish Lakish. That dispute was brought to Babylonia from the land of Israel by Rav Dimi, one of the sages known as the Nahote, those who traveled back and forth bringing traditions with them. Ki'ata Rav Dimi Amar, Chayevei Mitot Shogagin, V'chayevei Malkiot Shogagin, V'davar Acher, Rabbi Yochanan Amar Chayav, V'reish Lakish Amar Patur. When Rav Dimi came, from the land of Israel, he said, someone who violates a capital crime, someone who commits a capital crime unknowingly, unwittingly, or who commits a crime punishable by lashes unknowingly or unwittingly, and does something else, and that something else is clearly a monetary crime, Rabbi Yochanan says, that in fact, such a person is obligated to pay the monetary fine even though they committed a capital or uh, corporally punished offense, they did it by accident, and therefore they also have to pay the money. Reish Lakish disagrees, and he says, no, that person is patur. That person does not need to pay the monetary fine associated with the monetary crime. Now, so far in the past couple of Depim, we were dealing with cases of mezid, the intentional violation of a capital offense. If you commit a capital offense b'mezid intentionally, then you were indeed exempt from any monetary fine associated with the crime. This, however, is a dispute, a machloket, about the accidental commission of a serious crime, where there's also a monetary consequence. It's about that that we have a dispute between Rabbi Yochanan and Reish Lakish. Now, we're not going to get into their justifications. It's just really a setup for what we're going to read today, starting almost at the very top of 35a. Amar Rava. Umi ikalamanda Amar mitot shogigin chayavim. So Rava starts by challenging Rabbi Yochanan's position. Rava says, is there really anyone who thinks that someone who commits a capital crime by accident would have to pay, chayav there meaning would have to pay the associated monetary offense? And he brings a proof from a beraita. Veha, tana devei chizkia, makeh adamu makeh behema, ma makeh behema, so even though that's only halfway through, let's just pause there. So, the house of Chizkiah, invokes a verse in the Torah from Vayikra, from Leviticus, that juxtaposes when you have injured or killed a person with when you've injured or killed an animal. And it points out that in the case where you have injured or killed an animal, right, you've damaged somebody else's property, 
we don't make distinctions between shogeg or mezid. Whether you claim, oh, I didn't realize that killing someone else's animal was forbidden or not, or whether you did it on purpose, whether you did it intentionally or not, I didn't mean to kill that animal, doesn't matter. That means basically, could I have easily foreseen it or not? In all of these cases, we're not looking to exempt somebody from having to pay money. We're looking to make them pay money. They've damaged their neighbor's property, and therefore, they have to pay. So too, says this Beraita, even somebody who injures or kills a human being. In such cases, we apply the same lack of desire to create distinctions. Right? We don't care whether you did it unknowingly or knowingly, whether you intended to injure or kill this person or not, or whether you could have foreseen it or not. In none of those cases do we care, because we're not looking We're not looking to actually obligate you to pay money. We actually want to exempt you from paying money, because really we care that you get the proper punishment for having killed another human being. Whether that's the death penalty, whether that's exile, we don't care. We're just looking to give you the proper punishment, and we don't really care about the money. So Rava says on the basis of this Beraita, it doesn't make any sense to him that there should be a position that says someone who commits a capital crime, even accidentally, should be forced to pay. And in fact, the Gemara's response is, yeah, Rava's right. And Ravin, or actually, sorry, that Rav Dimi who brought the statement earlier, he was wrong. Ella, ki ata Ravin amar, so when Ravin, who's another one of these Nachote, another one of these sages that travel back and forth between Eretz Israel and Babylonia, he actually says that if someone commits a capital crime unknowingly, everyone agrees that there's no disagreement that he is patur. He doesn't have to pay money. And when it says everybody agrees, what it really means is both Rabbi Yochanan and Reish Lakish. They do not disagree that you do not have to pay. Patur, you're exempt from paying any associated monetary fine if what you did was a capital offense, even if you did it accidentally. Kipligi, where they do disagree, is in the case of Chayve Malkut Shogagin, where you have done a lesser crime, one that only incurs lashes, and there's a monetary offense associated with that as well. In that case, in fact, they disagree over whether you have to pay or not. And now the Gemara spells it out, along with some reasons. Rabbi Yochanan Amar Chayav, Rabbi Yochanan says, in such a case, you have to pay. Why? Chayve mitot itkosh. Chayve malkiot lo itkosh. That the cases, or the cases in the Torah, that involve chayve mitot, that involve capital crimes, are juxtaposed, and we'll talk about this in just one second, but Chayve Malkiot are not. Now, what does that actually mean? Rabbi Yochanan thinks that you have to pay any incidental monetary penalty in those cases because only capital crimes were analogized to property crimes in the verse quoted above and in, and explicated in the Brita that Rava brought. And what does it mean they were analogized to property crimes? In the sense that we don't make distinctions and we're not interested in getting violators to pay money. But accidental violation of lesser crimes, 
that incur only lashes, those are in a different category entirely. Reish Lakish, however, disagrees. Reish Lakish Amar, Pator. Reish Lakish says you don't have to pay the money. Why? Because, Rabbi Yochan, because Reish Lakish says that the Torah really meant, actually he says it explicitly, the Torah explicitly included lash-worthy crimes to be treated exactly the same as capital crimes. Now, how so? The Gemara is as confused as we are. Heichan Rib Tataira. Where did the Torah get the, Where did the Torah explicitly um, include these as compared? So there, now we have a second machlok, a second dispute between Abaye and Rava. Amar Abaye, Atya Rasha Rasha. Rava Amar, Atya Maka Maka. So anytime you see this word Atya, we know that the, that the Gemara is going to make a Gezer Shafa. It's going to compare two verses that use the same word or occasionally the same idea, even if the word is a little bit different. So Abaye thinks that the Torah compares or equates lash-worthy crimes and capital crimes because Numbers 35-31 says that one cannot take ransom, that's a payment, for a wicked murderer, a rasha, and Deuteronomy 25-2 uses that exact same word, rasha, to refer to someone being lashed for a crime. Okay, so far so good. As Gezer Shavas go, that's not such a bad one, and it actually makes some substantive sense. The financial side of things, as important as it is to the victim, is less important than the violation of very serious laws. So let's just punish the serious violation and not worry too much about the money. Rava, however, thinks there's a different Gezer Shava at play on the word hitting. The problem is the Torah uses Makah in a bunch of different places. So we don't know exactly which verses are at stake here. The Gemara continues. Amar le Rav Papa le Rava, hey Makah. So Rav Papa is confused. It's neither uh, neither of the two verses in Leviticus chapter 24 that talk about makeh really fit quite right. This first problem is that the Torah says makeh yeshalmena, someone who kills an animal must pay, but makeh adam yumat, someone who in who kills a person must be put to death. So that verse is talking about the death penalty. It's not talking about money at all. So he says, maybe there's a different one. Ella hai makeh, which makeh, or rather this makeh, this other makeh. Makeh nefesh behema yishal menu, nefesh tachat nefesh. Usamichle, ve'ishki yitain mumba amito, ka'asher asa kenya aselo. This is a quotation from Leviticus chapter 24, verses 18 to 19. That's a little bit better. Those verses refer to paying for hitting an animal, i.e. injuring it, then to the death penalty for killing a person, nefesh tachat nefesh, and then it talks about someone injuring a person getting some kind of physical punishment. There is a problem with this, however. V'hai, lav makehu. But this verse doesn't actually use makeh when it's talking about injuring the human being. So how can we compare the makeh nefesh behema, the killer of the animal, to the injurer of the human being. The Gemara's response, maybe it's Rav's own response, is quite fascinating. Anan haka'a haka'a ka'amrinan. We actually are making a gezer shava. We're comparing the concept of hitting rather than the actual use of the word. 
since verse 19 says, a person who puts a blemish on his fellow, that means hitting. And so even though the same word isn't used, we can make a conceptual gzera shava. This is relatively rare in the Talmud, and it's fascinating when they do it. Now, let's just review where we are before we finish up the sugya. So, Reish Lakish claimed that someone who accidentally or unintentionally commits a crime deserving of lashes, had it been done intentionally, should not have to pay if there's accompanying monetary damage. That's because such crimes are compared to capital crimes, where everyone agrees, at least according to Ravin, that one doesn't have to pay if one committed them accidentally. Rava derived this from the juxtaposition of nefesh tachat nefesh, a capital case, and incurring physical injury for having injured someone else. There's just one problem with this, and if you remember Daf 32 or 33, you might actually be able to figure it out. Vaha, kiktiv, bechovel bechaverohu dichtiv, bechovel bechaveroh bar tashlumenu. What's the problem? The problem is that the case being referred to in these verses is actually a case of chovel b'chaveroh, someone who injures his fellow. And we know that a chovel b'chaveroh, someone who injures his fellow, pays. He's a bar tashlumen. He's obligated to pay for the injury and not to get lashed. The Gemara has a response, though, and it's a classic one. Im eno inyan lahaka'a sheyesh ba shavapruta, Verse 19 doesn't actually teach us anything new about our preference for payment in personal injury cases. That we learn from other verses. Therefore, it must be teaching us about a case where the injury was so slight, it doesn't even amount to a penny. That's what a shavapruta is, a really, really small, insignificant amount. So if there is shavapruta, you have to pay it back. But if it's not Shavapruta, it's not worth even a penny, then you don't pay, but you get lashed instead. In other words, someone who injures someone so slightly that there's no injury or pain or embarrassment that we can put a dollar amount on, such a person gets lashed for having attacked his fellow. Well, that's obviously an interesting and important claim on its own. The rabbis see that interpersonal violence needs to be responded to. And while money, restitution, repayment, that's the normal response, if that doesn't work or can't be applied, then we can't just ignore it. Corporal punishment is needed. The Gemara concludes with one more logical problem. Sof, sof, love bar Well, if we're trying to figure out if a lash-worthy crime committed accidentally that also causes monetary loss should be punished, didn't we just argue that there's no monetary loss here? How can we learn anything from that case? There, there were lashes, not repayment. The Gemara responds, Lo kara No, actually we need it, Lo we need it, because it's a case where in fact, while he is hitting him in this very light fashion, not too painful, not too injurious, not too embarrassing, right, not worth a penny, he rips his garments, kara shirayin dilei. That's how we can imagine the Torah is actually talking about our case. It is that very case that the Torah is addressing, according to the Gemara, and saying that lashes supersede my monetary obligation to pay him back for the shirt that I tore. Let's take a step back and reflect on what we've learned today. 
The fundamental question was whether serious crimes committed accidentally, resulting in monetary damage, require repayment. Initially, we thought this was a straight-up machloket, a dispute between Reish Lakish and Rabbi Yochanan. We then narrowed the debate to only cases of less serious crimes, those that would result in lashes if committed intentionally. We then focused on Reish Lakish's position that one would not need to pay for monetary damage in such cases because the Torah demands lashes when compensation for physical damage isn't at stake. What's the message here? I propose that the point is compensating the victim for injury to his body is important. But when that is taken out of the picture, we are less concerned with property damage than we are with the violation of norms against committing serious crimes. Perhaps Reish Lakish would even say that the repayment of property damage in those circumstances would undermine the seriousness of the violation itself. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.